sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. All right, welcome back. It's Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid. It is NBA Draft Night, and we'll have it covered for you here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Tomorrow on our show, we'll be previewing one of the bigger games in the NFL this season, a really good Thursday night game, at least going into it, between the Arizona Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks. Dr. David Chow will be with us in about 10 minutes from now. But, Joe, the NBA Draft, first and foremost, the first time ever, that we're going to see an NBA draft in the month of November. Usually the season ends in June, and then a couple weeks later, we're having the NBA draft. But tonight, it's basically a pre-Thanksgiving meal of having a little NBA draft. (laughs) That's a fun way to think about it. Yeah, I mean, it's so weird. Our, you know, people talk about daylight saving time and how that kind of affects your body clock. I don't know about you, but to a certain extent, I feel like working in the business that we've worked in for the last few decades, you have a certain sports clock internally of when things happen and what you're preparing for. That's been totally thrown out the window, lit on fire. It's completely different this year. When we're covering what, what's happening? Like we're in the middle of NFL season. We're talking about NBA draft. Like it is one of those strange things and maybe the most strange, obviously, year in sports ever. I'm glad we're talking about it. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know about you. Does your body clock of sports just feel completely out of whack? Like you have the worst jet lag ever, potentially. Like you came on a flight from India or from Bali or something like that. And you're like, what year is it? What month is it? What's going on? What sport are we covering? And what's the NBA draft in November? How is that going on? It's definitely strange having the Kentucky Derby all out of whack and the Preakness and, and the, Masters the Masters in November. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it's definitely bizarre, but, you know, we're getting close to being back to normal, I think, again, or at least the best normal we could possibly be. So I guess you got to live it up and enjoy it while you can, having all these things going on at once, because next summer is going to be, I, I think, back to what we're used to again, which is, uh, you know, NBA season runs through June, Major League Baseball season takes its break in July, and then all these things end when they're supposed to. At least I think that could be the case. But again, it's we just have to hope that 2021 is better. I mean, it can't be any worse than 2020, that's for sure. All right, let's get to our headlines here at the top of the hour here, our second hour of the show on Fantasy Sports Today. We got the NBA draft tonight. We'll have it all covered for you. Looks like Edwards is going to be the first pick. Could be Wiseman, could be Ball. Depends on trades. And I'm guessing that by the time the draft goes off tonight, there'll probably be more trades that we will expect. Speaking of which, the Knicks sent the 27th pick and the 38th pick in the draft, the first and the second, to move up to the 23rd, and they take that from the Jazz. So we'll see who they wanted. I guess we'll find out in, well, let's see, about eight hours from now. Bulls and Warriors are in a trade to uh, move the second pick in the draft. You know, of course, Golden State is kind of going through that old San Antonio Spurs thing. They basically took a year off. I would expect them to be a championship contender again next year. Everybody was out for them. They had a horrible year. Uh, Curry will be back. They'll be good. Uh, Wake Forest, Duke postponed due to COVID. I saw. I think I saw a couple of college football games potentially postponed for this week. There's been a lot, and cases are going up everywhere, so that should not come as a surprise. And also, in the world of baseball, Cody Bellinger of the Los Angeles Dodgers, who did that little arm bump <laughs> in the mm-hmm. postseason, ended up costing him uh, surgery. Now, he, you know, he had that issue before his shoulder, and it popped out a couple times, but he's decided to move forward and have surgery and given, Joe, a normal spring training in February and March and April, 
I think he should be okay, but this is just one that we absolutely have to circle because until he gets back on a field of some kind and is hitting in spring training, we're going to have to be a little bit cautious with there because this is the kind of injury that is no joke. Remember how it took uh, Eugenio Suarez a while, and he had a very similar injury to get back on the field and play. Yeah, and and I think the the good news is that you have so many options in the first round this year in baseball. I mean, you're talking about the talents of the normal guys like Mookie Betts and Trout and the guys you always take for granted there that are going to be in the first round. Then you've also got the guys who really solidified themselves in the first round, guys like Tatis Jr., guys like Soto. Uh, You have some maybe bounce-back potential from Christian Yelich if you think he can get back to the player he was two years previously before the 2020 season. So there's a lot of options. So with Bellinger, you don't have to necessarily press. It's kind of tough because... Because in head-to-head points leagues, especially this guy walks a ton. He's got great power. You could historically play him in different spots in your lineup, too. That's a very valuable player. He's usually a top three or four talent in terms of point productivity. But in Roto, especially, I think this is a guy that you couldn't suppress the ADP a little bit. I wouldn't let him go too far out of the first round right now. But still, as crazy as it seems... We're getting closer and closer to mock draft season for baseball. I mean, I'm in the thick of the baseball book right now for 2021, and more and more people are playing best ball. More and more people are looking to get back into it after a disappointing season last year. So I think everybody kind of wants to push 2020 aside and look forward, but there's definitely some risk here with Cody Bellinger, and you Suarez is a really great uh, measuring stick for that injury too. That's something to keep in mind because Suarez was not himself. Eventually the power came back. The average really didn't. Now, Bellinger obviously a, a superior player, but still, Suarez has been fantastic, and hopefully, like you said, a regular offseason, the proper rest. He's not pushing anything. We'll see what goes on there. And you know, going back to the college thing, too, it's very difficult because you're talking about young people, and on top of them being young, you're also talking about an indoor sport. And that is a really complicated um, confluence of events along with COVID. And I think when you put all that package together, you know, as complicated as college football is, too, it's also an outdoor sport. I mean, playing basketball indoors on top of all that, on top of the fact that they're young, on top of the fact maybe there's some maturity issues at times, or maybe there's just some accidental negligence sometimes. It's a lot to take in, and it's a lot for college basketball to soldier on. And it's going to be a very complicated, I think, next few months for them. I do think they will play the season. I agree with you. But it's going to be uh, definitely complicated at moments. Yeah, and and I think that we'll start to find out because the college season, uh, basketball season, is about a week or two away. So. We'll see what happens. We'll see who gets to play, and and we'll see what leagues continue to play because that'll be an important dynamic too. Which leagues can play their seasons out? All right. Well, Drew Brees' injury is indeed one that looks serious. You're not going to have him if you have him in fantasy this week. But the question at this point is, how long will he be out? And Dr. David Jacko, football doc, will be with us next to tell you exactly that. So make sure you stay on the grid. This is Fantasy Sports Today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today for the latest on injuries in the NFL. There is only one person you need to be following, and that is Dr. David Chow at ProFootballDoc on Twitter, ProFootballDoc.com, his podcast, and of course, columns on OutKick. Every week, that's the guy you need to follow, especially as you head toward the fantasy football playoffs. Dr. Chow, great to see you again this week. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself, Craig? 
I'm doing well, Dr. Chow. Appreciate it, as always, for coming on the show. There's no question that I think what's on everybody's mind is Drew Brees, the quarterback, future Hall of Fame quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. It's interesting, Dr. Chow. We've been talking all week long. Maybe this is his last season. Was the other day his last game? I mean, all those questions are starting to come about, but I don't think that we're educated enough to know the scope of what his injuries exactly are. So if you wouldn't mind, the floor is yours on Drew Brees. Well, here's what's been reported, right? There were uh, five rib fractures and some sort of collapsed lung. Three rib fractures on the left that were before this week's game, and now two on the right from the game where Contavious Street fell on him, and then some sort of collapsed lung. But he remained on the sideline, so the collapsed lung couldn't have been that bad or severe, didn't go to the hospital, which is good news. And that collapsed lung might be more of a pulmonary contusion or a lung bruise. So what does all that mean? Typically, rib fractures, you know, uh, I know this year, you know, with Tyrod Taylor with the rib blocks, it's really not popular. And, And typically, single rib blocks are common, multiple rib blocks, sometimes you wait. But ribs heal quickly without a cast, two weeks, three weeks, it's less sore, certainly by four weeks. And lung contusions vary, but small lung collapses can heal in a few weeks as well. So my timeline on Drew Brees is I would be shocked if this were his last game with the New Orleans Saints. It is, he's not going to return to play in November. I think you can book that. But I do believe he will return to play in December. Is it early? Is it mid? Is it late? I think that's what's to be determined. I think probably he's going to go on injured reserve because that's only three weeks this year and then return to play sometime mid at worst late December. And certainly playoffs, uh, assuming the Saints uh, continue and, and get there. Sure. And obviously last year, Teddy Bridgewater went 5-0 and in the six weeks that Drew breezes out. We'll see about Jameis Winston this year. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, that, that's kind of where we're, where we're at with this. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, and Taysom Hill is a, is a name in fantasy we're all interested in to see how he factors in, but you're right, Winston came in last week, didn't look very good, but hasn't prepared at all to start in a game this season, so I don't, I don't think anybody could have those expectations. Now, uh, look, it really doesn't matter, I think, conceptually speaking, from a fantasy perspective in a couple of weeks when the Bears suit back up and play again, but we saw Monday night a very scary scene for Nick Foles, and unfortunately an all-too-familiar scene for Nick Foles. Uh, but but I saw reports, uh, Dr. Chow, uh, on Tuesday that said that potentially he could come back in a couple of weeks. Mitch Trubisky, you know, we have to ask the question at least, what what is going on with Mitch Trubisky? Because if they're down to Bray next week, Dr. Chow, I think I may want to play the other defense on the other side. <laughs> well, here's the deal. And, you know, look, uh, I don't have any inside information. It's just insider knowledge. And even though Foles was carted off with less than a minute to go in that game, before the game was over, we put up a post at ProFootballDoc.com saying that doubt that there would be anything, any fractures, doubt that there's anything serious, more of a contusion, hip pointer type thing where he's hurt, not injured. I'm not saying he wasn't in a lot of pain. I'm just saying structurally, other than the swelling, he's not going to have anything wrong. And that's kind of what it's looking like. And with the bye, I was very confident that he will be okay to go. Now, the question is, this does give 
Coach Nagy an excuse. Well, Foles isn't 100%, so it makes me go to Trubisky. He right. keeps his options open, right? Or he could – I don't know what he's going to do. But we've said for a while at ProFootballDoctor.com that Mitch Trubisky was not going to be a viable option from that shoulder subluxation injury until after the bye. And, well, next week is the bye, and then here comes week 12. So that's kind of where we're at. I think Trubisky is viable. So is Foles. In the end, it's going to be a coaching decision. It'll be interesting to see how it's spun. You know, it's coaching decision, but, sure. well, maybe it's injury and, you know, uh, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and for the Bears, uh, we know what it is. It's it's drafting a quarterback next year. They're going to have to do that or go to free agency. I think that, that goes without saying. Not a decision for you and I, fortunately. Uh, okay, yeah. now over to the Falcons. Boy, I would have thought that the news would have been a little bit better on Calvin Ridley because anybody in that Atlanta offense, Dr. Chow, is just excelling at the wide receiver position, and Ridley – was genuinely a top five wide receiver until his injury. The report that I saw on Monday basically said that, or on Tuesday said that he was basically running off to the side. And and what does that mean? Like, is that enough for him to get back on the field this week? I need to be optimistic on Ridley if I'm going to play him. Well, from when he got injured, thought it was a mild midfoot sprain. And I thought after the bye, which was this last week, is the time that he might return. It's still early, right? It's still early week. You're right. If all he's doing is running off to the side on Friday, then you got to find someone else. But I think he's going to progress some, and hopefully. Obviously, midfoot sprains can linger, but in theory, his was mild based on video. So I still have my hopes on Ridley. Now, Cal... um... Now, Ridley did get back at least early on the practice field this week. We're going to find out later today on Wednesday what the story is with Kenny Galladay, who didn't practice at all last week. Another player, uh, Dr. Chow, that if if fantasy players get him back in their lineup, that would be a huge push to the playoffs. But does it seem like this is another out week for him? Well, I think uh, this is probably the, the the target week, right? I mean, he wasn't put on injured reserve. He's missed a couple weeks. This is the target week that they were hoping to get him back. And, uh, you know, too early to tell right now. But I will say if he is back in there, I don't see how you don't play him based on the type of receiver that he is, the big body guy, et cetera. He's not relying necessarily on separation to get open all the time. So we'll just have to follow and see. But it's still uh, hopeful. Now, Thursday night, let's focus in on that before we let you go. Thursday night, uh, look, Seattle, uh, Dr. Chow has started to go the other way a little bit. And maybe one of the theories on that is the fact that their just running game has gone to almost nothing. They signed Alex Collins off the street. They've tried to use DJ Dallas, Travis Homer. We know that their most talented running backs are Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde. I feel like I've been asking you this for three weeks. Is this the week on Thursday that we're going to see them back? It would help. It would surely help them a lot. I think it would help them a lot. Obviously, Alex Collins did reasonably well, but uh, Carlos Hyde is the guy that I would expect more likely than Chris Carson. And I don't really believe Chris Carson was truly a game-time decision all those weeks. And so sometimes the team's optimism makes them look bad, right? I mean, they're... Fans are saying, why isn't he going? He's been game-time decision for three weeks. I don't know that that's the case. Maybe Hyde, more dubious on Carson, hopefully both. But for that game, let me tell you, one big advantage to whoever is running the ball, Collins, Hyde, DJ Dallas, Travis Homer, is the Cardinals' defensive line is quite banged up. Their front, their front, they have eight 
linemen uh, overall on the roster, and five of them are now injured or injured wow. reserve. So uh, that might be easier sledding for the Seahawks this week, no matter who is uh, you know doing that. Yeah. yeah any other uh, key injuries, Doctor Chow, this week? We saw Wentworth go down the left tackle for the Rams. I know that's going to be a big one. He's going to be out for the season. Is there any that I missed basically that you can touch on here? Well, you know, I you know I still am dubious that. Uh, first of all, I think Gardner Minshew comes back this week. I mean, I think he could have played before, but Luton had you know the two week ex- experiment, and I think it's back to Gardner Minshew. I think I'm iffy on Teddy Bridgewater. Look, mm. uh, playing if I get. Big Ben had a similar MCL in play, but Big Ben's been in the system, knows the system. Teddy Bridgewater probably needs to practice. He's still his first year in the system. And look at how the Panthers have treated uh, Christian McCaffrey with kid gloves, holding him out until he's really ready, really ready to go. And look, Bridgewater and McCaffrey are their future. And if that's the way they treat McCaffrey, they probably will shelve Bridgewater this week for a week or two. Hmm, interesting stuff. Well, you can follow Dr. Chow on Twitter at ProFootballDoc. And as he mentioned, he goes through not just the key injuries as far as your fantasy position, but this, the other positions on the field, the offensive line, the defensive line. Also listen to his podcast over at OutKick. Dr. Chow, great to catch up with you as always this week. Next week, we'll talk before the Thanksgiving games. Thanks again for coming on the show. All right. Thanks, Craig. All right. Dr. David Chow with us here on Fantasy Sports Today. We'll be back with a whole lot more right here on Sports Grid. So make sure you stay on the grid. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. NFL will be back on Thursday night, and a couple of teams playing will have probably one of their odds get better, and one of them get a little bit worse based on the outcome of that. That will be a story for our Thursday edition of Fantasy Sports today. But here on our Wednesday edition, let's take a look, Joe, at the odds over on the FanDuel Sportsbook in terms of who could win the AFC and who could win the NFC. And let's start off with the NFC and take a look at these odds. The New Orleans Saints right now are still the favorites at 3-1. to one. That could change rapidly if things go south for them for sure. The Packers have played consistent all season long. They're 4-1, to one, and so are the Buccaneers at 4-1. to one. Seattle has moved down from about 3-7. to seven. The Rams have moved up from about 10-7.5. to seven and, a half, and the Cardinals have made an appearance here at 10-1. to one. So at the beginning of the season, Joe, when you looked at it, it was pretty much the Saints right there at the top, followed by the Seahawks and the Bucks. The Packers have played well enough to put themselves right here at the top spot or close to the top spot along with Tampa Bay. And beyond Arizona, I really don't see anyone else. So uh, I don't know that there's a ton of value at throwing a dart, um, you know, like Tennessee was at this point last year. I think Tennessee was about 25 to 1, and they came very close. They were on the doorstep there of, of getting to the Super Bowl. Uh, that may happen again um, at some point, and maybe it could be in the NFC. But whoever that is, I don't, I don't see it right now in the NFC, that's for sure. Yeah, there's a couple things I think that's fascinating to kind of break down here. And the and the first one is I'm actually still kind of surprised that the Bucks are just four to one. I, I would have thought they'd be a little bit higher here, especially after the Drew's Drew Brees news about him missing a couple weeks here. And we don't know what kind of lingering effects that's going to potentially have on him, how much time he's actually going to miss. I know it sounds like two weeks now, but I understand Drew Brees is a gamer and a tough guy and a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest ever played the position, but we also have to be realistic. He's a human being. He's also a player in his forties. 
40s, too, with some serious injuries going on right now. So I know Dr. Chow just talked about it, and I think that's something to really take into effect here, here and to start to understand a little bit. And the Green Bay Packers, you know, Aaron Rodgers has been there, done that plenty of times. Those two wagers to me seem like the best two in terms of right now where we're at. And, you know, I know you always warn, don't be a prisoner of the moment, but I'm trying to actually project ahead a little bit. And I've got concerns about New Orleans. I've had concerns about New Orleans all throughout. We kind of always have concerns about New Orleans. And then all of a sudden they they play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They look fantastic against the Bucs. And it seems like right. all of that concern just kind of evaporated. And I think that is kind of being prisoner of the moment a little bit because the greater body of work for the Saints this year has been – a lot of inconsistency. I understand Michael Thomas was hurt. The defense has been inconsistent. Breeze hasn't quite been the same guy he was. Al Gamara's been great, but they haven't necessarily utilized all the weapons like you thought. And really, it's the defense that I keep coming back to that has really had some bad moments, not just last year, but this year as well. Tampa Bay's defense has been great. The 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 uh, Green Bay Packers defense has also played quite well. I'm also fascinated to see the second point of this group right here is what happens at Thursday night if Arizona should defeat Seattle. Do you think there's an opportunity here where maybe these two teams flip-flop in these odds or everything gets a little bit more condensed? Because I kind of, probably in this place, maybe you are as well, where I don't necessarily think that Arizona is going to the Super Bowl. But if they win against Seattle in this game here and have a couple big wins under their belt, I imagine there's going to be a pretty big adjustment here coming for the Cardinals in this grouping. Yeah, I would think that they'd probably be about even. I think that Seattle would go to eight to one and Arizona would go to eight to one. I think that's probably the fair mm-hmm. way to look at it. As far as the rest of the teams, I think it's interesting because in the one sense I agree, where I think Tampa Bay definitely holds the most value of any of the bets that I see here. And the, the but the problem would be is that where I don't agree is that if Drew Brees is healthy and the Saints play the Bucks wherever it is, I mean you would have right. to take the Saints. I mean you would you would have to. So that is the really the key to this thing. If they were to match up even in the NFC Championship in Tampa Bay and the Saints were getting points, I probably would have to take Tampa or, or take uh, New Orleans. I think I would have to do that. I mean, they've they've dominated them two different times. They've figured them out. Now on the flip side, you have the Packers ahead of Tampa Bay, and one game doesn't really mean everything, but Tampa Bay dominated Green Bay. So I, I think the Bucks are the team for me, and it's surprising because I didn't think this at the beginning of the season, but I do think that they probably hold the most value here. But maybe the way to go about it here would be to make the assumption that the Bucks get the home field, and if you have them at 4-1 to one, and they play the Saints in the NFC Championship game, and let's say you have, I'll, I'll use a crate, well, let's not use it, $500 on the Bucks to win right okay. now, and you're betting them to win the NFC Championship, 500 to make 2000 Well, what you could do is in, the, is in the championship game, if the Saints play the Bucks, you could take $500 again and hedge your bet and take the Saints plus, let's say, three, because that's probably what the mm-hmm. line would be, two or three, on the money line, and then hedge a little bit just in case the, the Saints come out on top. So, that would be my strategy going in. If it was Packers Bucks, I would take the Bucks. I saw what I had to see in that first game. I don't know that a lot would yeah. change. Mm-hmm. And then some of these other teams, Seattle's defense. I think Seattle could go on a run again, but I just don't think their defense is good enough to win the NFC. It's good enough there. The Rams are are clearly in the midst here. I don't think that they'll win it, but hey, I mean they've played better football than anyone over the last month. So you'd have to consider them. And for me, Arizona, without a doubt, could win Thursday, but I don't I don't see them winning the NFC unless Murray goes on like a Lamar Jackson type run. And that, by the way, that Lamar Jackson type run came to an end when, when Tennessee figured it out last year. So uh, that that's what I would say for them. 
Now, yeah. over in the AFC, the picture is is probably – it feels like a two-team race. Again, last year it felt like a two-team race, and Tennessee stole the show at the end, so let's not just rule anything out here, and it could be even someone not on here. But Kansas City is the favorite at plus 175, followed by Pittsburgh at plus 250. It looks, it feels like it's one of those two teams, but I'm not sold on that completely. The Ravens can get hot. They're 6-1. to one. They were the favorite. They've fallen way behind. The Colts 11-1, to one, and I have no interest at all in. And I suppose in a one-game scenario, if you said, okay, Buffalo wins their opening round home game and they win the division and they go on the road, let's say, to Pittsburgh or Kansas City as a massive underdog, I may have interest in taking Buffalo at that point. Mm-hmm. But uh, it would seem to be a long shot for me for Buffalo to go on the road twice and win, which would be kind of what they have to do to get to the Super Bowl. So uh, probably one of the top two teams for me, but I definitely would take Buffalo over Indianapolis. Yeah, I actually would agree with that statement as well. I do think Buffalo is that team that also travels a little bit better, too. Um, and I, I got to tell you, it really does feel like a two-horse race to me. It feels like we're just looking at the Chiefs and the Steelers right now. And yes, the Steelers are undefeated, but I still think the Chiefs are the better football team, and so does Las Vegas, because clearly, look at the odds. We're talking about, you know, 250 and 175. So clearly, you know, there's certain uh, <laughs> other people who also think that the Chiefs are still the team to beat in the AFC, and I think they deserve that. I think Mahomes has made that statement. And I think that they've just played just really good football all year. And not that the Steelers haven't. They played really well, but they've also eked out some victories and had some bounces go their way, which is all part of it. And there's also that narrative of, well, if you're if you're buying into the idea that no team in the last 10 years has started off 8-0 or 9-0 and ended up winning a Super Bowl, well, that's also something to kind of start to factor into this because sometimes teams do peak a little early and sometimes there is a little bit of pressure as they go on to be 10, 12, 13-0 and it's okay, well, we just don't lose instead of playing to win. Um, but I think the thing for me is I just don't see all these other teams in the AFC being in the same class as Pittsburgh and Kansas City. And it does kind of feel like a foregone conclusion, but I can't make a case for Tennessee to come out of nowhere again with the way their special teams is played. Uh, I can't make a case for as good of a story, the Dolphins or the Raiders. I mean, the Dolphins will be a fascinating dark horse to go through and have success in the playoffs because they've been playing really well on all sides of the ball, special teams, especially defense and offense has been pretty good as well. So that is that's the one team where if you want to look for this year's Titans, in a weird way, I feel like it could be the Dolphins because kind of like the Dolphins, uh, the Titans last year, you know, the, the Dolphins are playing good defense, and that's what the Titans did last year, and that has not been the case for them this year. So I don't know, Craig. It kind of feels like a foregone conclusion for me with the Chiefs and the Steelers. But going back to Tampa real quick, if I may, you and I were both very guarded going into the season on the Tampa Bay Bucks and this whole experiment of bringing everybody in, and now we're double-digit weeks into the season. And I don't know about you, but it's starting to feel like it, it might be a, a conclusion where this is a team that is headed for the NFC Championship game and maybe the Super Bowl. And what an incredible story that is. How often do we write the story of, oh, could you imagine Tom Brady leaving the Patriots after 20 years, after nine Super Bowls and six rings to go somewhere else, only to then end up in the Super Bowl again? And I feel like we're a lot closer to that moment now. And that moment does not feel like possible fiction. It feels like more possibility than anything. Well, there's even a bigger story than that, which would be which would trump any of the other stories that we were talking about this season. It would be the the Buccaneers hosting the Super Bowl in their home building. Yeah, and that right. and that would be something that I don't think we've we've never seen that right in the history of the NFL. Right? I think that would be the first time ever. Yep, we got close once or twice, but no, first time ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Minnesota, Minnesota could have got there, but they lost. 
lost in the NFC Championship game. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that would be incredible, and it would make the Bucks probably a favorite. I mean, would the Bucks Bucks playing the Chiefs? Ah, maybe not. Uh, Chiefs would probably I don't still think be favorite. So. It will affect the yeah. line. I agree. I mean, if I told you right, like okay. top of your head, I would still say it would be Kansas City at three or something like that, or even maybe even Pittsburgh at two and a half or three or something like that. I I kind of uh, still feel I don't like think Pittsburgh would no? be favored over Tampa Bay. No, not in Tampa. Really? I don't think so. With but the way that defense City play? Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I don't. I don't think so. I, I think the Chiefs. <laughs> This is more of a question for John Sheeran, but I, I think the Chiefs <laughs> would be less of a favorite than you think because people okay. are going to bet Brady. Yeah, they're going to bet Brady no matter what. So I, I think it would be Chiefs minus a point and a half, something like that. And I think Tampa Bay may be favored over Pittsburgh in the Super Bowl. What a, what a imagine matchup there's that gonna would be. There's going to be so much money coming in on that side. But could you imagine it's not that matter? What would happen to the sports world? Tom Brady with the Bucks against... Patrick Mahomes and the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs. That is – talk about, like, if the and NFL could script something for themselves. You want to talk about yeah. ratings? I mean, it would be an incredible thing. And we're kind of right on the precipice of it, it feels like. I mean, it feels like it's it's a real possibility. Whereas going into the season, I thought, look, it's a team of mercenaries. Usually that stuff doesn't work out. But you know what? Yeah, I thought so too. For the most part, it's worked out. i got to be honest with you. It's kind of crazy we're getting to that point. But what I mean, a story that was. It was like. one team in the NFL. I mean, that's yeah. it's, it's crazy. But that's the thing is that they still are going to have to get by the Saints. I am not Maybe. going to – we're going to forget, and a month from now, we're just going to be talking about the Bucks rolling off a 13-3 and record. But again, those two losses are going to be a team that they may have to play to get there. So that's an important note. All right, we'll have fantasy reality next. Stay on the grid. McAfee show. Russell Wilson, I mean, if you look last week, upset. Like I feel like mentally he has to get back to a place he was four weeks ago. How do you do that? Do you just flip up a switch? I don't know if that's how the brain works, but I hope if Russell Wilson gets back to that, we would be big fans of that and proponents of it. Because not only are we big fans of him as football players and as a baseball player, uh, but also like what he does off the field, Mr. Unlimited. We would like him to get back. The Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, before we get to a little fantasy reality, one quick news and note. I guess you could say news and note from the football world. Christian McCaffrey going to miss another game this week. It is starting to trend. It is starting to trend that we may not see McCaffrey mm-hmm. again. I hate to say this, but I, I don't. I don't know that there's really a purpose at this point, especially if Carolina's quarterback is out. I know that everyone has him with the first pick in the draft. You're hoping to see him at some point, but Joe, we're kind of running out of time here to get anything from McCaffrey. I, I suppose with five games left or six games left, that they will probably play him again, but. If I saw next week that they placed him on injured reserve, it wouldn't shock me. And, and that's that's a scary proposition. I know for a lot of people, but i got to be realistic at this point. I mean, he's the best running back on the planet on a team going nowhere. And I, I and they saw what happened when Barkley got rushed back last year. I don't know. I'm a little worried about that. Well, look, you know, they waited longer because of what happened to Barkley. And he came back and he looked fine there. And then he hurt his shoulder. 
So I mean, it's a right. whole different injury, and this is this is kind of the narrative of that conversation I brought up to you last week after the injury. I said, okay, when we start to have multiple injuries in multiple spots, so we start to worry about wear and tear of the workload of the last few years. Do you start to wonder about, you know, is Carolina doing the right job in terms of managing this carry uh, load that he's got here? And I think those are all fair questions long term with Christian McCaffrey. I don't think it's going to knock him out of the number one overall conversation completely next year. But I think there's certainly other options that you can take where you don't have to take the risk of McCaffrey. And if he should fall to four or five, it becomes a great value, a potential league winner, obviously, because of how good he can be. And maybe this is a, a one-year, one-off kind of scenario, but he's not going to be the only guy to discount next year. You're going to have Saquon Barkley on a discount next year. You're going to have Ezekiel Elliott on a discount next year. There's a lot of those top, in fact, three right there, your top three overall guys next year. You can make a case, and I'm not going to go in the first three picks of your draft. You could have Dalvin Cook, Derek Henry, Kamara, all go past. I don't, I don't think you can make the case. I, make the case for me that McCaffrey is not top well, three. I'm not making the case that he's not top three material. I'm saying there's a chance he might not go top three. I'm saying is you can take Kamara. Well, hold on a second. I don't know that I agree Cook, Cook, Kamara, yeah. Derek Henry. Those are three running backs that depending on your stamina level and your tolerance level for injuries or concern about McCaffrey of what happened this year, you can make the case for the Derrick Henry being the look, the strong silent type, as it will, goes out there every week. He's the focal point of the offense. He's going to have a couple big games, certainly physically durable. Uh, you can make the case in a full point PPR for McCaffrey over him. I mean, excuse me, for Kamara over him. And then on, on the flip side, too, you've got um, – uh, who's the third guy? Dalvin Cook, who Dalvin Cook to me is so far. I mean, and statistically speaking, per game has been the most productive running back and he's missed a little bit of time this year. So I think you can at least make the argument. I'm not saying yeah, I would I pass on it. I think you can make the I argument. I, I don't see it, but I think the argument can be made that that there could be three players taken over him. But um, and think about that. I, I, I don't think I would take Henry over him. I think the other two think guys, I mean, just for me, I think. Camara it makes an excellent case for uh, for it for sure. Uh, Cook, I mean, Cook has sort of the same issues that, that McCaffrey has, so I don't know that you feel any safer. It's just that if we're living on November the eighteenth, Cook is healthy, McCaffrey is not. We could be talking right. about December eighteenth, McCaffrey is healthy, Cook is not. So, uh, but but again, for right now, yes, for right now, yes, you can make the case. I, I would say as the fourth pick for sure. I think being in the middle okay. of the draft so, next year is where you want to be, Craig, to be honest. I mean, I know we got more stuff to do, but if you're in the middle maybe. of your sixth spot, maybe. you're guaranteed one of those six guys, just mathematically speaking. And that's fascinating. This year, there was a lot of questions. What do you do in the sixth pick? Where do you go? What well, six pick? Yeah, right the number now. one, the number one and two were clear cut this year. They both didn't work out, but yeah, I mean, every, everyone knew who was going one or two in fantasy, which yeah. goes to show you all that analysis meant nothing because neither guy panned out, wasn't close. Okay, let's go to fantasy or reality and let's talk about the quarterback position. James Winston of the New Orleans Saints. I think I made my point clear. If you missed it earlier in the show, you can go back and watch it on demand, but we'll start off with Joe here. Fantasy or reality, Winston, a number one quarterback in fantasy this weekend. You know, I I went through all of them just now on the break just to see where I would rank them, and he is right on the border for me. He's more of a QB, too. I think there's some guys I can make the case for, and that's, you know, taking into account Josh Allen's on a bye, taking into account, you know, Matthew right. Stafford's health, Teddy Bridgewater's health. I think he's right at 13 or 14. When I when I just okay. honestly take it, I think you look at it, even Jared Goff against Tampa, it's a really tough matchup, but I think I feel better about starting Goff, believe it or not, than I do with Winston, just because of the unknown factor with Taysom Hill and also the error factor that's there. I under, I think you can start him if you're desperate, if you don't like the matchups or what you got on your particular roster. There will be some people in single quarterback leagues that have no choice but to start him this week, and you could do sure. worse. 
but I think he's a high-end QB2. I don't think he's a QB1, so I'm going to say this is a fantasy. Craig, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's a fantasy also, and, and this is what I, I don't think enough people are, are really thinking through on this. Now, let's assume that Winston is good and he has a good game, which is certainly possible. Drew Brees, Hall of Famer, one of the best quarterbacks ever, is continually taken out of the game for Taysom Hill. You don't think that's going to happen <laughs> with Jason, with right. Jameis Winston quarterback? It's going to happen. It's going to happen a lot more. I, I, I just don't understand. Is, is no one seeing this? Like, they would take Breeze out <laughs> at the goal line and put in Hill. So you think that Winston is going to be in there at the goal line throwing in the end zone? No, it's going to be Taysom Hill. It's fantasy. I'd start, I, I don't know that I'd start Hill over Winston at quarterback, but mm, I, it's I not good. start Winston. I could not start Winston over, I don't know. I, I would have to do a deeper dive. Maybe Wentz is like the borderline for me. Like I think well, maybe that's... I think here's a perfect guy who's a borderline. Like Cam Newton this week against the Houston Texans. I don't know about you. I'll take my chance against Cam Newton against the Texans. Right. I, I think Cam that exact, he's my 11-12, he's my him and Goff. And Goff and was a tough matchup against Tampa. But at the same time, you know he's going to be the quarterback for four quarters. I think that's the problem. It's like, what happens if you miss out on that touchdown equity? That's what you're trying to get with a quarterback. If you're missing out on that, that becomes really dicey for me personally. I, I, and I'll tell you what, I hope Winston plays well. And if they win these next two games, and you look back at last year and how they won consistently with Teddy Bridgewater, then I right. think if you're a Saints fan, you feel really good about the future without Drew Brees because you know the system is there to set up for somebody to be successful. So this is actually a really interesting two weeks here for the New Orleans Saints fan base. All right, let's move over to the only thing that is good news in 2020 that had to do with uh, with COVID. This is really the only thing is that finally we do not have to have the Pro Bowl thrown upon us in 2020 or 2021. It is done. It is out for this year. Thank goodness. Uh, but what they have tried to do, and, and this maybe will be interesting, maybe not. We'll have our thoughts on it. They are going to do a virtual Madden 21 Pro Bowl where the players are going to play virtually. Now, I, I saw this go down as a replacement <laughs> in Major League Baseball, and I'll start off with this one and give you my answer. The, the first few days of it, when there was no Major League Baseball and all the players were playing in the tournament, was very cool. It got old very fast. Very, f you, mm -hmm. you really wanted baseball more after watching some of these virtual games being played. And I watched some of them because the Marlins were involved in it, of course, with every other team as well. But I would say this. Uh, it will not replace the standard Pro Bowl, so it is fantasy. But for one year, I, I think it's perfectly fine. I think that this is the way it needs to be done. And I honestly applaud the NFL for doing away with this game this year. There is no reason for it anyway. Let the guys play virtually. Don't put anybody in harm's way over such a meaningless game. But full-time, I don't think so. I think it's a fantasy. Sadly, I agree. I think it's a fantasy too, but I want it to be a reality. And I, I think I've got the little tweak here. Uh, I work with Matt Franciscovich. He writes for the Black Book, and he's one of the head media guys at EA Sports. And I've actually talked with him about this in the past. Say, like, why don't they just do the Pro Bowl virtually, like through Madden? Here's what I'd like to do: you take the two best Madden players, and you give him those two NFC and AFC Pro Bowl rosters, and then you have all the guys who are actually real life on those teams in the gallery rooting and you keep going to them for their takes on what's going on with the game and the interviews i think that would be wildly entertaining i would absolutely watch that i get caught sometimes late at night flipping around if i see that madden challenge on tv 
I'll watch that stuff. I think it's fun, right? Uh, one of our old producers at an old station, uh, Terrell Robinson, was one of those guys who played Madden professionally or semi-professionally for a while. So let me tell you, man, like, this is a real thing. If you don't think it is, you're wrong. And I would love to see the two best Madden players, whoever's in the finals, play with the the Pro Bowl rosters, have everybody else in the gallery. Could you imagine uh, like them making signs? Could you imagine some of the funny chants and things that they go on? Like if somebody got rocked in the backfield or something like that, could you imagine the reaction from those guys yelling at the other side? I mean, these guys all play Madden anyway. They grew up with Madden. I think this is the remedy for everything here that's wrong with the Pro Bowl. And I think that is the particular way to do it. Don't drag it out one-off mano a mano and have everybody hanging out there at some big like i don't know buffalo wild wings locator or something that have on both sides in the gallery and to me that would be wildly entertaining you do that for two hours i'm in it's really remarkable that the nfl has been able to dominate the news cycle year round and have all of these amazing ideas for the draft and for free agency and everything else to, to get everyone talking about football all the time. And they cannot figure out what to do with the Pro Bowl. It, it's, it's you would think that by now, over the last 10 years, that they would have come up with, and they've tried so many different ideas. They yeah. moved it to Orlando. Moved it to, I, I went to the Pro Bowl here in mm-hmm. uh, in, in South Florida, and I, I left at the half. Like, I, it's amazing to me. That, well, would that you they watch that? Would you watch the guys yeah. in the gallery watching the Madden professionals play out them in front of them? I think I that would, would be kind of fun. Oh, I, I think it would be fun. I'd love that. that. Would not be They're, those no. guys are pretty funny, dude. I, I, you put a microphone in front of them. Yeah, for 10 minutes <laughs> I'd watch it, but I would not. Hey, that's 10 more minutes than you'd watch the regular Pro Bowl. Just saying. <laughs> um, probably so. Probably so, yeah. Unless I'm betting on it, which is even stupider. Okay, well, speaking of stupid, this is the stupidest of it all here. Uh, Twitter yesterday <laughs> introduced uh, something called a fleet which is Twitter's version of Instagram stories. Now, this is very interesting because I didn't know that this was happening, and I just saw all the pic- the, the headshots of everybody at the yeah. top of my timeline. I was wondering what the bleep is going on. And for a while, I just thought, oh, this is just like something new, and I didn't even look at it, didn't know what it was, nothing. Then I saw people tweeting about the fleet saying that this is what it is. It's like Instagram. Now, here's the bad news for me is I don't have Instagram, so <laughs> I didn't really know what was going on or what to do. So uh, fantasy reality for me, you will tweet, meaning me. I guess the answer is reality because around 8 o'clock last night, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I guess I should just get into the action and tweet something. And so um, yesterday in the mail, uh, one of the cards that I, I got graded back, uh, this Reggie Jackson uh, rookie card, I got mm-hmm. a 7 on it. I was like, wow, this is, a, this is the highest card I've, grade I've ever got on a Reggie Jackson. Let me fleet that out. So I did. But I don't know. It felt weird. And then the worst thing about this, Joe, is that everybody can see who you're looking at. So if you click on somebody else's fleet and you look at your own account, um, they can see that you went and checked you out. Like, I don't know, man. It seems a little invasive to me. Oh, look at you. You're all worried about your the privacy of your fleets. Well, you know, usually you're I'm worried about them your that I went to see their stuff. Like I, everybody who checked out my fleet yesterday, I got the list of everybody who went to my account yesterday right. to see it. I, right. I don't. That's I just like Facebook. Facebook's like that too with the story. You could see who viewed it, and then people who liked it, like and that. you know, like you know, that. look, well, you're nowhere in 2020. But you should yeah, be able well, to to surf in privacy. I, I shouldn't be able to see that. And, and then well, I saw well, people that I hadn't heard from in a long time. I'm like, oh, this guy's checking me out, or this girl's checking oh, me out. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know what they call that? They call that backfleeting. 
That's what they call that. Where you're oh, like, oh, okay, where have you one. been for a long time? You go back to the back. So anyway, yeah, like, it's fantasy reality for you. Well, it's going to be reality because I'm sure at some point in time we're going to get a, a message here or a meeting where Mike Cardano asks us course, to fleet something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, Mish, why don't you uh, why don't you fleet that for me? Fleet it out there. And I think that's going to be end up with happening. We're all going to have to fleet something. So that's, that's a foregone conclusion. That is a reality. You and I are going to be fleeting professionals on your next week. Fantasy reality. Uh, uh, on my own, probably reality for when the books come out because okay. it's new and different. Yeah. And if the kids are doing it, you know, I, I, I got to sell books. If the kids are doing it, then that's what it is. All right. We got the Sports Grid 60 coming up next. And then we'll take along here this Wednesday. We'll be back to football again tomorrow night. And we'll be back right after this. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. I'm Craig Bish here with you on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Make sure you tune into our show tomorrow at noon as we'll be back on the show with Andrew Erickson of Pro Football Focus. Let's turn it over to Joe Pizzapia as he closes us out with the SportsGrid 60. Joe? I really want to become a Brooklyn Nets fan. Real bad. I grew up in Brooklyn without a real Brooklyn team. I heard stories about the Brooklyn Dodgers from my dad, but I got a basketball team in Brooklyn, and I really have a basketball team that I root for. And James Harden wants me to be a Brooklyn Nets fan too, because that's where James Harden wants to be. He turned down $50 million a year because he thinks the window is closed for him in Houston to win a championship. I got great respect for that guy. I would not turn down $50 million a year, period. $50 million just forever. If somebody said I had to stay put, I do show a Craig Mish from now to the end of time. I will do it for $50 million. That sounds great to me. But this guy seems to want to win. He thinks that going and joining Kyrie Irving and uh, Mr. Durant over there in Brooklyn is the way to do it. And if he does and they can pull that off, then the Brooklyn Nets have a serious question to ask themselves. Are they willing to give up all this depth and everything they've got going for them? Because they already are contenders next year in that conference just to get that third big star. And whether or not that's going to work out, I got to tell you, if I'm the Nets, I think I take that chance because you have a chance, Brooklyn Nets, to become the face of New York basketball because God knows the Knicks haven't been doing it for the last 20 plus years. Yeah, it will be. I mean, for James Harden, it will be his third team still chasing that championship. What a shame Russell Westbrook still chasing it as well. Uh, all right, I want to end the show with this report that's coming out of New York that uh, Mark Colombo, the offensive uh coach for offensive line coach for the New York Giants was fired today. And there are some public reports saying that he got into a fight with his head coach uh, in Joe Judge. And I got to tell you, look, Mark Colombo probably did very well over the course of his NFL career and probably made some money. But Mark, like you're never going to be coaching again at any level. You can't punch the head coach of the team. The reports are saying, by the way, he won the fight regardless of that. What are you thinking, man? Like, it doesn't matter <laughs> what the guy says to you or what he does. If you want any future in coaching, you got to take a step back in that spot and and make war, make love, not war. Uh, Joe, like, I mean, this to me, hey, if this is true, got I, I, <laughs> I hate to jump over the edge here on something that I don't know is true because I'm a reporter, too, and I want to see this be real before I before I crush somebody. But 
He's never going to get a job again after this. That's it. If this is I'm trying to remember, Buddy Ryan punched Kevin Gilbride. I'm trying to remember the last time I saw a coach punch another coach, but they were just he was the head coach. I was going to say, you don't punch the head coach. If you're going to punch somebody, you, you punch, punch the other the coordinator. Coach. You don't punch the head coach. I, I don't know, but all I know is going from Colombo to Guglielmo. He's the next guy up, I guess, for this job. But I guess sometimes the, you know, the hot blood Italians, we run a little hot. But Joe Judge certainly knows how to get a rise out of his players and his coaching staff, apparently, Craig. <laughs> the more vowels, the better for if you're trying to be a coach in New York. That's, that's what it would appear. All right, thanks to LTN. Thank you to Brett, of course, and to Danny for Joe. Craig, we will talk tomorrow at noon. Stay right here on the grid. Have a great day, everybody. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.